Welcome to this final week of 2020, Come Follow Me, A Disciple's Journey. This week's episode will be Christmas-focused, somewhat, maybe kind of different take. Just kind of share my thoughts that I've had this week as we have prepared for Christmas and um, in studying Come Follow Me's uh, Christmas-focused chapter. Um, So, Come Follow Me this week says... So during this Christmas season, as believers around the world celebrate the goodness and love of God in sending His Son, ponder how the Book of Mormon has strengthened your faith in Christ. As you think about His birth, ponder why He came and how His coming has changed your life. Then you can experience the true joy, the true joy of Christmas, the gift that Jesus Christ gives to you. So as I studied this week and as I've been thinking and pondering about Christ's birth and what we read in the scriptures and what we tend to uh, read about his birth around this time of year. I started thinking about how many of the things in the stories we read are about the signs of his coming, right? We read about the angels appearing to the shepherds. We read about the star uh, appearing. In in the Book of Mormon, we read uh, that Nephi goes to the Lord in prayer because there's been a day set apart for the believers to be put to death if the sign of Christ's, of the Messiah's coming wasn't shown. And then those signs do appear, and uh, you know, it, previous to that in the Book of Mormon, we read uh, in Helaman, Samuel the Lamanite prophesying and giving very specific prophecies about the signs that are going to appear that uh, precede the, the coming of Christ, as well as uh, the signs that would appear at his coming, at his birth. And I started thinking, and so this is where maybe this is going to be a little different Christmas message, and but maybe not. I don't know. Maybe, it, maybe not really, because it's focused on Christ. I feel like, and that's and that's uh, what Christmas is about, and a Christmas message. So, where my thoughts then turned though was about the gift that we have of the Book of Mormon and how it is different than the Bible. Uh, the last book in the Old Testament that we have is Malachi, and it is about, it was written approximately 400 years before Christ's birth. So then there's this dark period, and I say dark, I just mean we don't have records in the Bible of that time period. But the Book of Mormon spans from about 600 uh, B.C., to roughly 480, about a thousand years, and and it covers this time period that in the old world is dark, right? And it's why why that I thought about that is the difference that we get from it is that while the old world in Jerusalem was in a state of apostasy and there were things happening that would basically uh, facilitate the, the setting and uh, cultural background and everything that Christ was born into, Pharisees and Sadducees and scribes and this division uh, in Judaism, uh, the uh, oral law being more more important than the written law, things like, you know, how many steps you can take on the Sabbath that aren't really in, in the law, but they had started to interpret and add on and this state of apostasy, right, is created because there's not a prophet speaking. There's not a prophet there 
making straight the way of the Lord, preparing for the coming of the Lord until John the Baptist comes. And that is his calling, right? His calling was to prepare the people, to baptize them by water, to prepare them to be baptized by fire and by the Spirit when Christ would start his ministry. In the New World, in the Book of Mormon, there were prophets. And we read uh, of their prophecies. Like I said, we read from Samuel the Lamanite giving very explicit prophecies about what uh, what signs would be given when the coming of, of Christ would happen. Uh, we read in Alma chapter 7, For behold, I say unto you, there be many things to come, and behold, there is one thing which is of more importance than they all, for the time is not far distant that the Redeemer liveth and cometh among his people. Mosiah chapter 3, For behold, the time cometh and is not far distant, that with the power that with power the Lord omnipotent who reigneth, who was and is from all eternity to all eternity, shall come down from the heaven among the children of men, and shall dwell in the tabernacle of clay, and shall go forth amongst men, working mighty miracles, such as healing the sick, raising the dead, causing the lame to walk, and the blind to receive their sight, and the deaf to hear and curing all manner of diseases. And he, uh, and lo, he shall suffer temptations and pain and body of hunger and fatigue. And he shall be called Jesus Christ, the son of the father of, uh, the son of God, the father of heaven and earth, the creator of all things from the beginning. And his mother shall be called Mary. We have first Nephi chapter 11, uh, Nephi prophesying of his birth and of, of his coming. Uh, second Nephi chapter two, Lehi prophesying. My, the point is, all throughout the Book of Mormon, while in the old world there was darkness in terms of this type of dispensation of knowledge and of prophecy and of prophets, in the new world there were prophets preparing the minds of the people, pointing them forward to the coming of Christ, telling them about the signs to expect, right? So that they would know the season in which he came. Um... We live in a time when we are no longer looking forward to that coming, but now looking forward to his second coming. And no one knows when that is going to be. But we have prophets and we have revelation pointing us to that time. And just like these people look forward with faith and with hope, we too should look forward with faith and hope for the uh, great day of the coming of the Lord. And in the scriptures, it is great and dreadful. But I believe, and it is my my sincere belief, that to those who are converted and who are disciples, who are striving to follow Jesus Christ, his coming will be great and glorious. There will be hard times and trials, no doubt. And the world will get darker and darker. But there is an opposite to everything. And as the world gets darker and darker, his kingdom here on earth, should we choose to join it and stay with it, will we'll grow brighter and brighter. And we'll be armed with righteousness and with the power of God and great glory. And so as, we, as I studied this week, my thoughts turned to that, turned to the second coming of the Lord. As we celebrate his first coming and his, his uh, condescension to us and his descension from his throne on high to being born as a babe in Bethlehem, I thought about how we... Uh, are given this gift of the prophecies and and revelations and the signs that we should be looking for for his second coming. President Nelson, I'm going to paraphrase something that he said. He said, I don't know when when it's going to be, 
when the coming will be. But he, and he said, it's not today, not tomorrow, because there's too much work to do. But I do know one thing, that we're closer today than we were tomorrow. Or excuse me, we're closer today than we were yesterday. And so with that in mind, with what he said, my hope and my goal is to join the work in gathering Israel, in building Zion, in preparing the world, in making straight the ways of the Lord, the path of the Lord, and preparing the world for the second coming of Christ. And we're told that it's not far distant. We live in the latter days. But what does that mean? Who knows? Alma said that 80 years before uh, Christ came. Mosiah, or King Benjamin said that the time is not far distant, about 125 years before Christ was born. So, who knows how long it is, but like President Nelson, I know that it is closer today than it was yesterday. And we have uh, been given the gift, like the people in the Book of Mormon were, the gift of prophecy to point us towards that great day. And so as we remember his first coming, his coming as a babe, uh, let us also remember that he is coming again in glory and as the King of Kings and King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Um, my final thought, kind of about Christmas, was is this, and just some of my favorite things about the Christmas story. Uh, as we celebrate, and we will, off, many of you will probably be reading the Nativity story from uh, Luke two and Matthew two this week. Some of the things that stand out to me that are really just uh, fun nuggets of information and, and knowledge. First, uh, the word that's translated as in, in Luke, means there's no room in the in. For those of you who've watched the behind the scenes of the Christ child, they said that it also can be interpreted guest room. Another interpretation is upper room. Um, and so if you've seen the, the Christ child that the church has made, I, uh, you'll know what I'm talking about. Joseph climbs this ladder when they get to this, into the quote unquote, in, to this home. He climbs the ladder and looks up and there's a bunch of people up there and there's no room. Um, so if you haven't seen it, I recommend you watch it. If you have seen it, I recommend you watch it because it's awesome. But anyway, this, this, this word that is interpreted and has been translated as in, is, can also be interpreted as upper room. In fact, another point in the New Testament, uh, it's, uh, when Christ sends his, uh, a couple of the apostles to prepare a room for them to have the Last Supper, uh, they go and they go prepare and they, uh, to a house and there's a man who has an upper room. And that's where they have the, where the Christ uh, introduces the sacrament for the first time. It's the final night of his life, right? But the Greek word that was translated as upper room is actually the same word that's used in Luke 2 as and is translated as in. And so it's an upper room. And so some things to know about that is that these, they, he, he, they weren't just going from end to end, you know, like, hey, do you have any space, any occupancy? No, no, fully occupied, dang, okay. They probably were at a, a home of a relative, uh, extended family member. They probably traveled with extended family members because all of them had to go to where they were from. And so now they're going to have a bunch of family, right? You're going to family reunion style be in Bethlehem until the uh, census essentially was taken and you could be counted in the place that of your uh, nativity. 
And so while they're in this home, what would have happened is they would have gone to this upper room. An upper room would have been where people lived. And the lower area of a, of a home would have been uh, for cooking and uh, things of that nature. Also, in the home, there would have been animals. Oftentimes, maybe uh, if these homes would have been built maybe somewhat into a cave type of thing. And back in the back, there would have been a stable. But inside the home, because the the body heat of the animals actually would help to keep the the whole building warm and the building being warm would keep the animals safe and protected. So animals and humans actually live very close together in, in this setting. So when they go down and they go to the stable, they would have probably been in the same building, just no room in the upper room. Everyone's full up there and probably not even like, Hey, sorry, you're pregnant. There's no room for you, but probably more like a Mary's like, I'm pregnant, about to give birth, and I don't want to give birth in front of all these people. Let's go find somewhere private, even though it's in the stable. And so I say this because when you start to tell the story in this way, they become real people. And as they take their babe and they wrap wrap him in swaddling clothes, oftentimes it's been interpreted as like, look at how lowly and they're just so poor and they're just these two lonely travelers. But real, the, what, what's more likely is that they were they had family there. They wrapped them in swaddling clothes because that's what they did in their culture. Is wrap them in in these strings strands of cloth, basically, uh, just as like an, a sort of swaddle and blanket. And so now we know that, and you know that that's a normal thing for a Jewish baby to be born. Rather than Jesus being born as this, you know, impoverished uh, baby to these lonely travelers, what you, the story that you get is that he was seemingly just another Hebrew baby born in a small province in Israel, whose birth was not extravagant, nor was it uh, overly. Uh, lowly, just normal, that no one would have even thought anything different of it. And But that's what makes it grand because he was and is the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, and he came and had a normal birth to a normal family in a fairly normal circumstance that no one would have thought, here is the Messiah. And so, with that knowledge, the song "Mary, Did You Know" is one of my favorites because, and especially the last towards the end, where he's, it's the line is, uh, "Did you know that he, that the baby that you're holding is the great I am? That Mary has this baby in normal circumstances. He's descended from his throne on high to just normalcy, and here she is, this." young mother holding the Lord of Lord, the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings, the great I am. And as we think of that this week, and as you um, are, are pondering on that, I invite you to turn your thoughts also to his uh, impending second coming and to look forward to it with great faith as those who looked forward to it his uh, first coming did with great faith, especially in the Book of Mormon. Thanks for joining me this year. I wish you a Merry Christmas, a Happy New Year, 
I hope you'll join me next year as we begin to study uh, church history and the Doctrine and Covenants. Look forward to studying that with you. Uh, And may you have a blessed holiday, and we'll talk soon.